Yo, Serge, can you get my friend um, espresso? You want a bit of lemon twist? Uh, uh, yeah, sure, if it's no bother. No, don't be stupid. This podcast may contain horse language. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. everybody get ready for the pod that rocks your bod it's now time for the flick smacks podcast here are your hosts and two true flyers scott and talent hello and welcome to flick smacks i would just so happen to be scott oh hey scott hey i'm terrence and oh shit i'm here well it's a good thing because i'm here oh what what is this season four episode four Yes, it would be. Oh, that's wild. That is so crazy. So, four, yeah, four. Uh, what do you want to talk about here, Scott? Well, you know, we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, the, the, I guess the topic of this podcast, um, as suggested by yourself. Wait, we, we, but what does it pertain to? What does it pertain meaning? Pertaining? <laughs> regarding? Um, as you, you brought up. That we should do, we should rank the uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, and by the ones he has both written and directed, and they're the feature length ones. So, and so Kill Bill is two separate entities, correct? Yes. So okay. we'll be ranking ten films. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. That's what she said. Oh, huh? Huh? <laughs> So, um, something we haven't done in the last couple of podcasts is because we we haven't been to the theater in a little while, um, at least together. I think I've seen a couple things with my son, or and I, or I went by myself because you know I'm cool like that. And we uh, went and saw the new release entitled Cop Shop. Oh, and who's in Cop Shop? Uh, I am. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was me. Oh yeah, well, well it would it would be um, mostly starring uh, Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo, and written and directed by Joe Carnahan, oh. who is very famous for this, you know, old school kinetic action type movies, such as like Smoking Aces and. He, he did the AT movie. Um, and then he does more serious things like Narc and The Grey. But he's used, he he's pretty reliable when it comes to action. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was a very enjoyable watch. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing too serious about it. Nope. But it was very well paced. Yep. Um, even though half of it takes place inside of a prison cell, prison mm-hmm. cells, a cell block, I, as yes. you will. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's a few memorable characters, um, such yeah. as Tony Lamb. Yes, yeah, as a he's a an assassin who 
also makes drawings for people. Yes, he does. He's a, he's a wonderful artist. Um, yeah, no, there's some good action set pieces, some, you know, some creative type gunplay. Yeah, a lot of good humor. Um, we saw this Friday evening, early evening show, 640, and we were the only ones in the theater. Yep. Which was surprising because it was just, I mean, it hasn't had a whole lot of marketing, but it's a shame because, yeah, it, it's a f- fun movie. And yeah, we, people missed out. And I guess the theater didn't have too much faith on anybody else buying tickets because they started the trailers 10 minutes early. Yep. And they didn't even have ads before the trailers. They just went straight for the trailers and then the movie. So anybody showed up late, but on time, they would have missed the beginning of the movie. So, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Mm -hmm. A good time was had by all. When you go into something expecting nothing and it Mm -hmm. gives you something, then it's always good. Yes. I mean, Gerard Butler is also usually pretty reliable for this kind of movie. He kind of elevates this B-level action. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whatever the be the, the Has Fallen movies or um, Den of Thieves, that, that sort of thing. So, yes. Yes. So, yeah. So that's, that is Chop Shop. Go see it. Chop Shop? Chop Shop. Chop cop shop, Gobachockety, Gobachada, Gobachada Moon. Yes, cop shop. It's cop, really cop good. Chop. It's yes. really good. It takes place at a cop shop. In case you didn't realize that, that was a cop shop. Yeah, they oh. they sell they sell cops there. Oh, yeah. So I'll take two uh, cops. Yes. Well, you are you always like to fill up on cops. Um. But I said cops. Um, so yeah, no, let's let's move into um a regular plan segment. Let's go to the our, our personal challenge segment. And last episode, you failed to live up your to your challenge. And how do we sit for tonight? Failed. I had technical difficulties and I could not find uh could not find it streaming anywhere now do you want to keep this challenge up or do you want to move on to something i am wiping this challenge off of the board okay Uh, move on to something else okay we will get to your new challenge once we uh once we tune into how i am doing yes um well my challenge was to watch a horror movie from the um, 101 horror movies you should see before you die book, but pre 1970. So I did this. I completed it, but I would say I, you know, full disclosure, half asked it. Oh, meaning I had it on in the background. And I really wasn't paying attention that much. 
So I really couldn't tell you a whole lot about it other than Bella Lugosi was in it and it's the movie White Zombie. Um, I have seen White Zombie. I chose it mostly because, yes, it did fall on that list. It was available for easy streaming and it was only 69 minutes long. So it didn't take up much time. And I could have, I just was able to squeeze it in before the podcast just to say I completed it. Um, I can't really say much about it because, yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on because I was just tuning in and out. But I, I can say I half listened and the other half watched this movie. So I did the bare minimum to complete this challenge, but challenge completed mission accomplished i i i people the, the listeners can't see but i can just see the disappointment on your face like oh, you are so stunned. so disappointed in me the, yeah. the revelation that i just brought up well sometimes it's hard to engage in something like that like it i mean yeah it was, it was from like 1932 or something like that yeah. Um, but the quality of the film kept changing. Like they obviously didn't have a full print to go from. So they had some were of one quality and the other scenes were from a different quality and it was going switching back and forth. And then the sound was better and synced better with the dialogue. And then it wasn't. And then, so, um, I'll blame that on why I didn't pay attention. Not just because I was doing other things. I'll say the the quality. Sure, blame it on the quality of the film. I will. That's I did. I did. So yeah. So I'm gonna stick with a Brian De Palma film. Okay. And I've narrowed it down to three of which I haven't seen in a very long time. Okay. And I know I have access to them. Okay. So I'm either going to watch The Untouchables. Oh. Raising Kane. Oh. Or The Black Dahlia. Oh, I have not seen Black Dahlia, but I have seen the other two. I've seen The so, Untouchables many times. I don't remember The Black Dahlia. So maybe that'll be the one. Okay. Mm. So now, let's write that down. Let's, let's lock in The you, Black dahlia you're gonna lock that in okay that's your well i again am just gonna have a loose thing but it is more narrowed but i'm not locking in a particular title just yet because i i need to see what's available first before i lock in and basically what i do want to do is um i'm looking to complete uh watching movies directed by steven spielberg so I want to watch one of his movies I haven't seen yet. So that's my loose goal is to watch an unseen Spielberg directorial effort. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, that's fair. As an example of ones that I that would be on the list, so just off the top of my head. Um Lincoln. Uh, War Horse, Amistad, uh, Big Friendly Giant, or BFG, 
1941. So those are just some off the top of my head that I can think of. I'm sure there are others and maybe I'll choose one of those, but an unseen Spielberg is what my goal is. Okay. Okay. That's pretty, that's actually pretty narrow. Yeah. So it's a good goal. Mm-hmm. I will allow it. Okay. And I will probably be paying attention to this, to oh, whatever one I watch. I think you should watch War Horse. You know, funny thing is, I was kind of leaning towards that one. That's the reason I, you know, it's got, I think it's, it's got some good actors in it um, and, and a horse. So, plus you're, um, you're a big fan of the equine type stuff, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's true. Or however you say it, horse, equine, equine, equine. Mm. I don't know. Never mind. Uh, Aquel, Achmel, Aquel, Folly, um, Achmel. So, got everything numbered wrong i missed the number no i think we're good um but yeah no so i mean this is we are moving quite along probably because um our main topic the uh our ranking of tarantino is probably going to be fairly lengthy or at least be the bulk of this so i think we can move right into that so oh i i will let you lead off ezekiel chapter 25 verse 17 the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, might sit down and listen to this episode's list. Flick Smacks present the ranking of Quentin Tarantino's films. So I will just preface by saying that I think my number two through seven could change any given week, depending, right. depending. Mm-hmm. And what I rank number 10 isn't necessarily a bad movie because Tarantino doesn't have a bad movie. These are just my personal Mm -hmm. rankings. And I know we're probably going to have the same number one and it's probably pretty polarizing because a lot of fans would probably have this last on their list or close Mm -hmm. to the bottom. Yes. But yeah, but no, that, who cares what other people think? That's this right. is our podcast and we're going to do whatever the hell we want to do. Exactly. If they want to rank their own, they can do it on their own podcast or, or leave comments on ours. I don't care, but they're not, they're not hey, before, going to influence before us. We, before we start. Yes. I heard something the other night that I didn't know existed. What's that? Before it escapes my mind, I have to bring it up. Okay. Have you heard the new Guns N' Roses single? I was aware of its existence, but no, I have not heard it yet. I have, ah. I've, I've heard other people discuss it, or at least on Facebook. And from what I tell, can tell, it is not being well received. <laughs> I have no idea what... Like, God bless Axl Rose. The dude was probably sang the anthem to my teenage early adult years but from what i've seen from live shows lately and this new single his voice is not what it used to be right 
like this new single has some sort of voice uh, mm. effect, like a like right. almost he's almost singing through a telephone line, right? Like, and okay. I think it's just to cover up like his shortcomings penis. as a yeah. So is this another effort like Chinese democracy, or does he have some of the actual band members back uh, with him? Yeah, no, this like Slash and Duff are legit. Okay, on this track. Um, but I even like Chinese democracy a little better than this. I, I mean, he was certainly, it was Chinese democracy certainly was self-indulgent and overproduced on a lot of tracks. It was very ambitious. Yeah. And like the, the number of layers that he had that were just recorded on top of one another was crazy, but yeah, there's some good songs on Chinese democracy. Yeah. Um, this um, you can find it on Spotify if you want to oh, listen to I, it later. You know what? I might. I might. Okay, that. let's get back to the list here. Sorry okay. about that, everybody. I just had to bring it up because it's something that's been bothering me. Okay, well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get that off your chest then. All right, so here is our list of Tarantino movies ranked from least to most favorite. Yes. So my number 10... Now, keep in mind, I don't don't dislike this movie. Mm-hmm. I do like it. Um, I just found it to be very long and very confined. Okay. Um, and it's Hateful Eight. Right. Um, some good performances, good characters, maybe a little too much dialogue. Like, I know right. that's his, his signature thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And the only kind of relief is like the little flashbacks um, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I just, I just found it's, it's very long and probably, probably no longer than anything else he's done, but it just seems mm -hmm. like it's very long. And um, it could very easily have been like a stage play. Yeah. Like Absolutely. It's just one, basically one location, and everyone's just combined into this, you know, abandoned cabin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, it's probably my least favorite Tarantino movie. Okay. That's fair. Um, like you with your, how you had a caveat, I'll have one as well. I will probably be condescending myself a couple times contradicting myself a couple times because for me i think tarantino does that for himself as well his writing can be a positive or a detriment to at the same time because i think he is in love with his own writing sometimes and he overindulges himself and sometimes tries to be too clever with like these slight references that he throws in or these other things. So like, look at me, I know all about this and you should and too. And that's what happens when you're in control of the studio yeah. instead of the other way around. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sometimes it works and sometimes it's just like, he's just like jerking himself off and thinking that he's just, like you're going to enjoy this as much as I am. Cause you know, I'm just, you know, so yeah. 
so impressed with myself. But other times it's a very clever script. But when this when it's reference over reference over reference, and even just with some of the shots he makes as well, if it wasn't a movie, it would be plagiarism. But with oh. a movie, it with a movie, it's paying homage, right? Yeah. So it there's a difference. And so yeah, there's some things where it's like, wow, that's taken directly from that. And yeah. like he's he's the king of that. But he's like, well, I can do that because I'm a huge fan. So I'm paying honor to that movie. But whatever. Nevertheless, his movies are top notch and better than a lot of people's movies. Like his track record for these 10 movies, I put up against the 10 best movies of any other director. And it would be well know, for yeah. Like he can't I, bat a thousand, right? No, but he's definitely batting about eight hundred. Like yes. He's... So, um, yeah. So my my uh, least favorite, even though it's no again, so least movie would be his first one, Reservoir Dogs. For that's me, surpri- that's, that surprises me. Yeah, for me, it's it's just kind of played out a little bit, you know. And part of the reason is. And it's not the movie's fault, but there have just been so many movies since that have tried to duplicate it. So like you're when you go back to revisit it, you're re- reminded of the things that came after. And so you're thinking, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this again. And so whether or not it originated with him or came after, you're just seeing the same thing over and over again. And I mean, it's a great cast, great performances, but um, it's yeah, it's lower down on my list. Well, lowest on my you, list. You, that took some balls to yeah. put Reservoir Dogs at the bottom of your list. I know. I I commend um, you and hate you at the same time. But yeah, no, that's that's no. Uh, but I I get it with your yeah, like um, you're over the top. Mm-hmm. Refer like referencing everything else, yeah. Because that it every scene there's a reference to something. Yes, you know what I mean. Um, and I think you know that was basically his first movie. Yeah, uh, first time he directed, and he was probably trying to flex. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can I can definitely see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think it's over, but I'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. Uh, so my, um, number nine out of his 10 films is Kill Bill volume one. Um, once again, visually brilliant. Yeah. Um, the juxtaposition of the colors, you know, like the hero wears bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, the villains, one wears an eye patch. They have swords, like just yeah. like the vision. The the it's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Um. And I think a great soundtrack, but one of his weakest soundtracks. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. And out of all of his movies, this one definitely has the most action per 
per scene or whatever. Like yeah. it's very action packed compared and, to like his other movies where there's one scene where it's like balls to the wall, not so action. Yeah. And this, this is, is full of that. And this is probably the most gratuitous violence. That, yeah. Like, like there's a lot of blood and yeah. Um, and you know, it's not that I don't like the movie. It's just mm-hmm. compared to the other ones. Um, it, it's not as seamless you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but i do like the pussy wagon okay that's a it's a really nice truck it's a very nice vehicle yes so yeah okay well i we're gonna kind of notice a pattern a little bit coming up so my number nine is uh hateful eight um again yeah this i mean we're gonna be repeating ourselves but yeah it's not a bad movie but it's it's too bloated, um, yeah. and again, this he has so much. I'm trying to be clever dialogue in it. And he stuffs a lot of people in that cabin. Yes, like and at I, one time, there's like twelve people in there. Yeah, you know? and I mean, I like I like Walton Goggins in it. Um, yeah, I love Walton Goggins yeah. in anything. Yes. I almost am certain, even though, you know, Tim Roth had, had worked with Tarantino before in a couple early, earlier projects, I almost certain his part was written for Christoph Waltz. I'm almost, I can't, I can't be for certain, but it, it almost seems like he was playing it as though Christoph Waltz was, he was playing Christoph Waltz. Um, yeah, it's got that vibe. Yeah. I mean, I think without a doubt the star of the movie is Kurt Russell's beard. Oh yeah. I mean that that thing is epic. I mean it's a wall is, of hair. Yeah, he is just like that thing could stop bullets. I mean it is just crazy. There's a lot of frozen liquids in that beard. <laughs> yeah, I, he he's got like a year's worth of meals hidden in there. Um it's got a great cameo of Channing Tatum at the end that just comes out of nowhere. He just uh, he has the best cameos. Yes, like Free Guy. Free Guy Amazing. was great. Um, there's a oh Hail Caesar. He Hail that, Caesar, yeah. Hail Caesar had a dance number in there. Um, but yeah, no. It's, again, this is it's just it's so long, and it only has, like you said, it has so much dialogue. And it's full. It's almost one of his most just dialogue driven because there's only little bursts of action. And, um, but yeah, no, it's again, good movie, good performances, but just too much. Another thing I kind of found was I think Sam Jackson had too much in this movie. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think this was like Quentin Tarantino saying, yeah, man, you've been good to me. Here's yeah. a, here's a role with a lot of lines and a lot of dialogue. Here you yeah. go. Like I, you didn't have much to do in, in Django. So I'm going to give you a little meteor part. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I, speaking of Walton Goggins, I saw one of his um, best films. Mm-hmm. Um Major League Three, back to the minors. It was on TV the other night. I have never 
seen it. I have, I have hey, not broken down to watch that movie. Can you beat a movie that has Scott Bakula and Walton Goggins in it? I mean, I mean, I don't know. And and um, what's his name from? It, oh, Cor- is Corbin Bernstein still in it? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Al Bundy's neighbor. Marcy Darcy's husband. Oh, Ted McGinley. Yeah, Ted <laughs> McGinley's in it as well. <laughs> and I forgot how rad that dude was. <laughs> He's got nice teeth. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> that we should have. He should have played. He should have played face in the eighteen movie. Anyway, possibly. Yeah, All possibly. Right. So my number eight is Kill Bill Volume Two. Okay. Uh, it's. Not as much action, way more dialogue, but it kind of mm-hmm. explains the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime you can get more carotene, you yeah. can always take more carotene, right? Mm-hmm. So short and sweet, just it ties in with Kill Bill 1, obviously. So yeah, I kind of grouped them together, even though they're separate entities. So yeah. that's my number eight. Okay. My number eight is Kill Bill Volume One, so I seem to be like one behind you on our in oh. most of these. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, again, yeah, it's great fight choreography. I think it's the same guy who did the choreography for like The Matrix and like Crouching Tiger, but don't quote me on that. But uh, it's it's great fight choreography, and I've all the Kill Bill movies are probably the ones I've seen the least. Um. Yeah, and from what I remember, there's there's a fight scene with Lucy Liu in the snow. Is there not? Yeah, yeah. Okay. When I recently watched a Japanese movie called Lady Snowblood, and that scene is ripped right from that movie. Like the snow, you know, the sword work and everything. Like it's just ripped straight from that movie, and that's from like the early seventies, and it's like. I'm like well, I've, I've seen I, this before. I think <laughs> if you like boiled it down to a percentage of things that he's stolen from other movies, mm-hmm. the Kill Bill movies, he's definitely borrowed a lot of imagery, a lot of story. Well, you know even I mean? just even just uh, the bride's outfit—that's just Bruce Lee from Game of Death. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, Who wore yeah, it no. better? Who wore it better? The bride or? Oh, Bruce Lee. Yeah, he's sexier. Yeah, I think I think Bruce Lee now would still look better in it than Uma Thurman. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's that one. Yeah, I I agree with all the other stuff you you mentioned before, and yeah, just I don't even remember what I said. Fine, then I will rewind remember. rewind it if you want to know Scott's other feelings. Yes, so that's. That's that one for me. So your uh, number seven. So this is where it gets murky. There's six of them that could, depending on, you know, if I watched one of them tomorrow, it could easily move up three spots. Right. This is where the murk becomes murk. murk. The murk becomes murky. Um, So I feel terrible having this one in my lower half. But seven is Inglorious Bastards for today. Um, the 
his revisionist history in this is so good. Yeah. Um, and the cast is so good. Mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz is so good. And yeah. there's, there's some scenes in this movie that are like, you just like squint your eyes and grit your teeth and wait mm-hmm. till they're over. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the opening scene where the, um, the Jewish people are hiding in the basement. Yeah. That's a brilliant scene. That's, that's, um, uh, that's the, I mean, that's where I, that's one time where Quentin's like, like, look what I can do kind of thing. And it works. Cause yeah. it's, it's like, and it's mostly because of Christoph Waltz is just selling it. And it's just, he has such an underlining evil to him, but he's yeah. also so, so charismatic at the same time. Um, and the scene where the bear Jew, mm-hmm. um, he unleashes the bear Jew on the Nazi soldier mm-hmm. to get information. I think they're trying to extort information out of them. They're trying yep. to get a location for something. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, things happen. That's it's kind of like the the torture scene from Reservoir Dogs with the ear, but yeah. a little more, a little more violent. Yeah, because uh, the, the, the that's the thing with Reservoir Dogs that's built up so much, but it's it's off screen. Yeah, on this one, it's on screen. So, and I can yeah. just see like Tarantino hanging out with Eli Roth saying, "Oh, hey man, I I wrote this new part, and I think you'd be perfect for it." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you like horror movies, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it's a great movie. Um, but, uh, the other ones are just kind of a little better for me. So, okay. Um, this one again, yeah, like, like you, like, I could probably rotate most of these based on the how present they are in my head. Yeah. Um, number seven, and and even though it's just one higher than number eight, I think for me this is where the gap starts. Like the bottom three, it's like yeah, okay. But and I'm so I'm putting number seven. I'm putting Death Proof. Um, I do enjoy Death Proof. It is that I mean that that is just an old school like seventies. Obviously, it's you know Grindhouse because that's how it was originally released. Um, just great stunt work and car chases and, you know, Kurt Russell, just being Kurt Russell and Kurt Russelling it up. Um, and some of the, like using his car as a weapon and some of the, the car crash scenes are just like that. Those are well-directed and those like the, just the limbs falling and then the when they replay the scene back and you see it in slow motion, exactly how everybody died in that car crash. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's crazy. And almost the most disgusting thing in that movie is how greasy those nachos are that Kurt Russell eats in the bar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much cheese on them and all this oil and grease is just covering his hands and his face. And it's just, yeah, it's pretty nasty, but, um the final stunt work with uh zoe bell on the on the hood of the car she is amazing man yeah and you know and then when the girls get to just kick the shit out of kurt russell at the end that's pretty satisfying and then they gets the old you know boot heel to the face and yeah. just encaves it in but yeah it's it's a it's a good movie and i know actually a lot of people 
this is a decisive movie. A lot of people just didn't like this movie. Um, and I, I liked it more than Planet Terror when it was released as Grindhouse. You know, Planet Terror is certainly more more campy and more comedic. Um, but I thought I thought Death Proof was a more solid movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll talk about it when it's my turn. Okay, I'll let you. Uh, so my number six is Django Unchained. Um, I like I said, this could be easily number four next week if I watch mm-hmm. it again. Um, <clears throat> Christoph Waltz again, brilliant again. Um, well, another Academy Award for this because he won for Inglorious yeah. and then he won for this one. So um, the only problem that i really had with this movie and it kind of throws me off a little bit is i think Uh, jamie fox was miscast yeah um nothing against jamie fox but uh, i don't know i know i I know will smith was pitched at first um but he had a problem with the gratuitous use of the n-word yes um but there's some scenes in this movie like when they're at um Max Candy's plantation, I guess. Yeah. And they're the guys are having their fight club in the middle mm-hmm. of the parlor. Um, that's you know, there's always one or two scenes in Tarantino's mm-hmm. movies that are just ultra gritty and violent. Yeah. Um, I thought um DiCaprio's awesome in this movie. Like yeah. You could tell he was having fun with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just another. Tarantino's really good at taking a period of time that's kind of polarizing and like, you know, World War II, slavery, that yeah. type of thing. And like putting like a kind of like a modern spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, that's my number six. Okay. That is fine. I'm okay with that. Um, my number six is Kill Bill 2. Um, again, it's like I said, I haven't, I, I maybe have seen them twice, maybe seen each of them twice, but I'm thinking I've only seen them once. But this one, um, again, yeah, this one is dialogue driven and it's, it's beautiful dialogue. And basically this is ranked number six on its own for David Carradine's Superman speech at, at the end. And that is, that is just a wonderful piece of dialogue or monologue that he has to Uma Thurman. And, um, but yeah, that, that makes the entire movie for me. Cause it's just, I think it's like that little piece is some of the best writing that Tarantino has done. And yeah, I think it's exceptional. I can dig it. Yes. So that's all I have to say. Cause you know, pretty much what you said, I, I, I mirror and echo. Oh yes. So five for me is death proof. Um it's one of the craziest movies I've, you know, like when I went to see it, I was not expecting that. Right. Out of Tarantino, like 
I know he's a big horror movie guy and I think this is pretty much as close as he's gotten to a horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I kind of like how it's a split story that the only thing that kind of connects the two stories is Stuntman Mike. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it shows him getting away with you know, the first it has a set successful of, yeah, has set a successful of murders. Ritual. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. And then, you know, he tangles with the wrong chicks Yeah, in, in the, the second act. Um, and like, like you said, like using his car as a murder weapon mm-hmm. and how he's kind of got his, his side is like death proof. Yeah, you know, um, and I I like the I like the dialogue. I like how the dialogue between the first set of girls is is different than the dialogue between this. Like, it isn't the same type of banter. Like, it's yeah. kind of different or whatever. And um, I think the diner scene with um, uh, Zoe Bell and uh, if that group of girls mm. is some of his best writing too. Mm. Um, it's just an oddball movie and like, you gotta be pretty fucking twisted in your mind to come up with that. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah, and I just, I think it's very underrated. Mm-hmm. So like, I know it's part of the grindhouse thing and yeah. whatever, but it's still an hour and a half of, Tarantino, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's based on a true story too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So my number five, and again, this will probably be a surprise for you. And again, you're gonna say something like, Oh, the ball's on you. It's pulp it's, fiction. It's pulp fiction. <laughs> I I already knew that pulp fiction wouldn't be in your top three. Yeah. Um Again, this, I mean, this is a seminal movie. Like this is, this changed Hollywood. Game changer. And it's the same thing for, with Reservoir Dogs. So many movies that have come after it have tried to imitate it. And so then you just start to hate the original because it caused all this like non-sequential scenes and timelines and like that. He, I mean, it had been done before, but I mean, it was like this pretty much kickstarted like a new era of that where people were telling the stories out of order and yeah. And so, I mean, this was a new thing. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I love this movie. It's great. It was on TV the other day and I didn't turn away from it. And um, it's got, yeah, it's got, I mean, Samuel Jackson is the star of this movie. Like he is like when he does the, his, Ezekiel, you know, 21 or whatever speech. And he does it like two, three times. And he, it's a different reading for each one. And yeah. so the, the affectation is different and it's the reasoning behind it is different. And so it's like such a rounded performance. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Uma Thurman in the movie. Like I, I can see her acting and I think uh, somebody else could have played that role just as easy. Like, I wasn't that's, a, that's her gal though. That's his gal. Yeah. yeah. She's, you know, um, I don't 
like a part of it is I don't like the or I, it's not that I don't like it like the Jackrabbit Slim scene again that plays into Tarantino's like whole referencing things and look at all these cool things that I can do and yeah like when she's the ordering of the the Amos and Andy and the you know the Martin and Lewis and all that kind of the, stuff the five I, the five dollar shake yes and all that stuff I'm like okay yeah you're just playing around too much but you can't it, even get a five dollar shake anymore no but yeah no I mean it's I saw it three times at the theater um but yeah no it's 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 great movie but yeah it it it's lost some of its impact probably just from overviewing and just all the hype that it received so it's just kind of lower down on my list fair enough so what are we at four now yes uh so my four is reservoir dogs Um, Mm. it uh just the dialogue alone is you know um worth watching the movie right uh the cast is great um like I love um uh what's his name? Penn. Um oh yeah, Chris Penn. Chris Penn, like yeah. sucks that he passed away when he did because like he's in some of my you know favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, true romance. Mm-hmm. Um and like there's no real there's no real hateable characters in this movie. Well, it's um, it's not so much a hateable character; it's a hateable performance. I I do not like Tarantino as an actor. No, no. Like he thinks he's so cool and tries to play like make his characters like so slick and and. But you can tell out of that group, like if that was a real group, mm-hmm. he was the guy that you know they're like, oh fuck him, you know right. what I mean? Like let's leave him out; he mm-hmm. doesn't have to come. Like he's. Yeah. He's the dork of the group. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like they could he could have found anybody to play that. Mm. Um but um uh what's his name is uh great. Um well, uh, I mean you you could throw out any name there, like Bashemi, Kaitel, Roth, Madsen. Like Roth, they're all yeah, Roth is yeah, you know, when he's shot in the back seat and he's like yeah. talking like Kermit the Frog, and he's yeah. like He's like, they shot me, Larry. Like, they shot me, Larry. You know, and he's he's the you know he's the narc. He's the yeah. cop. And you know, you're like, going to be okay. Har- Harvey Keitel okay. is hell bent to save this yes. fucking guy who turns okay. out to be a cop. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Who's a tough guy? <laughs> Who's a tough guy? I'm dying, Larry. Well, I, didn't, dying. I didn't know you. I didn't know you were a doctor. Yeah, it's just for a first movie mm-hmm. that he kind of cobbled together. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's one of the best debuts. Like it's you know, um, I don't know. It's I know it's a little higher up the list than yours. Yeah, but like I said, it's not a bad movie. It's just I prefer other ones of his movies. Are you gonna be okay? I think I'll be okay. Who's a tough guy? I'm a tough guy. Gonna be okay. <laughs> they shot me, Larry. I'm dying, Larry. I'm dying, Larry. 
<laughs> That's just for us. I mean, how did he <laughs> how did he hang on so long? I don't know. I mean, the amount of blood that was coming out of him. Like he I mean, they had him pale. But yeah. I mean, there's no way he should have he he would have bled out long oh, before absolutely. that. Yes. But he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. Um so, yeah, maybe because ahead. maybe because he was on an incline inside the this the warehouse. Maybe that helped him. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I don't now, know for sure. Even though but... gravity would have worked opposite. Um yeah. for me, number four. Four is uh, Django Unchained. Um, again, this is this is mostly for me the performance driven. Like everybody is just you know top notch. Like you said, I mean, I don't think Jamie Fox is miscast. I mean, I think they could have cast somebody else and and they would have done a good job. I think Jamie Fox was good. Um, but yeah, Christoph Waltz and this. I don't know why, but it's one of my favorite lines in the movie comes from. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and it's just a simple line he's like gentlemen you had my curiosity now you have my attention I just that that line is just awesome um you know Don Johnson shows up in this movie that's that is one thing Tarantino is good at is resurrecting these fucking guys who haven't been relevant in 15 years yeah like resurrecting like Nash Bridges yes serious (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's great again, you know, now another revisionist history of, you know, of how like a black man, you know, rising up and not being, you know, hit the slave and all that stuff. Um, but Christoph Waltz is just, he's just, he's just so good. And there's just so many great, scenes one after another in Django and like the the ending the big shootout right at the ending is so bloody and yeah. like um but yeah no it's it, it's got a really satisfying ending and um uh, but yeah no it's 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 a fun movie the scene where um they all kind of end up at that Max Candy's ranch and Sam Jackson's character Steven comes out and this is where he kind of discovers Django. Yeah. And like just the look on his face, like the perplexity of like, yeah, why is this black man on a horse riding with you people? Yeah. Like he could not believe, mm-hmm. you know, like just so good. Well, I mean, even, you know, while Sam Jackson wasn't in it a whole lot, his character still had some complexity because he was one way around the guests, you know, being that kind of dismissive, humble kind of black servant, but he behind was more the scenes, bloodthirsty than, yeah. than, than his, uh, than DiCaprio. Owner. Yeah. yeah. But that behind the scenes, like he would put DiCaprio in his place and he would tell him what's what and all that kind of stuff. So he knew his place when, you know, to keep up appearances when there are other people around and not to, you know, you know, put his foot in his mouth and overstep his boundaries <laughs> when it, when it came to, with the guests being there, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, all right. So number three for me is once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, I'm sure after a few more viewings, it'll move up, but Mm -hmm. what a wild movie. Um, it, uh, like, Brad Pitt is phenomenal in this movie. Now he deservedly won the Academy Award. So, like, um, 
he just plays like a cool like a cool dude who doesn't really get worked up about anything like it's just it's just an effortless performance you you can tell that he's seen some shit in his life mm-hmm. yeah and he's not really put off by anything yeah he and knows he can hand he knows he can handle himself in any situation that's going to come up and like he kind of like he's the yin and the yang to like um dicaprio's character who mm-hmm. um neurotic and judges himself to the max and he's yeah. just like the opposite but they're they're perfect together mm-hmm. um and j- just the way he retells the whole manson thing to mm-hmm. like oh it never happened they yeah. got their ass kicked by yes. a couple of dudes who live next door mm-hmm. you know what i mean and just the yeah. stuff the just the stuff in the middle yes like um brad pitt's character beating the snot out of bruce lee mm. like you know yeah um, i mean tarantino's got some flack for that but no, tarantino doesn't care yeah he does he doesn't care yeah. um it's just a very and like he recreated the 70s 60s yeah i guess late yeah. 60s yeah, so that's all, well so that's, well it's all set design like it wasn't like yeah. like they read they redress the streets and everything like it's not yeah. like all cg i mean there's some like wide shots might be some cgi but most of it yeah they just refaced like sections of of la and stuff yeah and Hollywood. like the whole the whole storyline where sharon tate goes to watch her own movie in the theater by herself mm-hmm. just to see yeah. everybody's reaction and kind of like soak in the adulation but like mm-hmm. from a distance you know what i mean like yeah it's pretty cool yeah okay uh so for me um number three is inglorious um yeah again just i i, I cannot sing enough praises of christoph waltz um he is like He's so villainous, but yet he's so likable. Like he's just so cheery. He loves his job. Just loves his job. And um, but yeah, he's he's got a little twinkle in his eye. And but even though he's doing like this doing horrible shit, um, and it's just it's got so many like little great scenes, like you know, the end scene again, him retelling history of them you know being able to trap hitler and all them into the theater as it burns down and and all that yeah. as they're watching the you know the nazi propaganda movie um and it's yeah it's so good like again brad pitt is is in it um you know ryan howard from 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 the office is in it and it's got yeah stellar cast and it just yeah I know. I. I mean, you've. 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 I don't know if I can say anything that you haven't said, but yeah, no. It's. It's, it's up there for me. Obviously, at number three, and it's. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it could easily be my number three. Like, yeah. I just. So two for me is Pulp Fiction. Um, it just changed the way I watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so quotable. Um, everybody knows. You know, it's got iconic scenes. 
iconic characters. Um, like I know it's, you know, everybody sings its praises and, oh, it's absolutely Tarantino's best. Um, and it could be, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's just like John Travolta. He wouldn't have a yeah. career right now if it wasn't for Pulp Fiction, you know, like he'd be on Look Who's Talking 12 or something. Like that yeah. Right now, so. And it kind of yeah. took a guy like Bruce Willis out of that, you know, action and yeah. put him into like more like he of still like played a, a yeah he still played a tough guy yeah but, but it it was more yeah more there was, it was a more meaty role for him yeah yeah um so yeah i just i have to put pulp fiction at number two just because i've seen it so many times like i'm kind of the opposite of you like mm-hmm. i'll throw it on um it just it's a total LA movie. You know what right. I mean? Like it could only happen in LA. The shit's not gonna happen in, you know, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Um and you know, it put Sam Jackson on the map, basically. Mm-hmm. So Pulp Fiction number two. Okay. I think I think that one's a true story too. Um yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my my number two is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like this thing just hit me when I first saw it. Like I we saw it at the theater together, packed theater. Yeah, it was this. It's 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 like little vignettes put together. Like each little scene is its own little contained story, and each one is good. Like when he goes to do the guest spot on that cowboy western show and he's doing all the rehearsals and then first he's you know he flubs his line and has a freak out in the trailer and then you know with him working back and forth with timothy oliphant and then his scene with the little girl just before they shoot and they're just reading the books and telling him back and forth and then they do the scene together and he's like acting acting and then he like throws the girl on the ground and you know she says she you know, he makes sure she's fine. And she tells him that was, you know, the best acting she's ever yeah. seen. And he just gets so overwhelmed with emotions. Yeah. Like she didn't have to say that and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, the chemistry between him and Brad Pitt is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like they've been working together for years and it's That's just acting. That is yeah. acting right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so good. Yeah. And like, yeah, Brad, I mean, I, I guess a lot of people were after this Brad Pitt role because, I mean, it's like you read this part and it's like, oh, whoever gets this part is getting an Academy Award. Like yeah. it is. It's such a rich character. I mean, he won for supporting actor, but he's almost on screen as much as Leo. Like it is almost yeah. seems to be a, like an ensemble piece. But um, because he's Leo's assistant so maybe that makes he's supporting leo and so that's why but it is this is a a movie where regardless of where i catch it on tv i try to turn it off i try i'm like okay i'll turn it off after this scene but then when that scene's over a new one is starting i'm like oh shit right this scene and i can't turn it off it's just one of those things that just draws you in and you can't look away 
And where did he find that motherfucker who played Charlie Manson? Like, oh yeah, that guy's that guy basically has a career playing Charlie Manson in everything if he wanted to. Well, yeah, I mean, he did play it in the in the, what you call it the that uh, Netflix. Um, yeah, Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, he played it in there too. But I mean, and the the final scene where. <laughs> Brad Pitt takes out these assailants and he's like high on LSD and he, just his performance. He's just so cavalier. And then when they go to attack him, it's like he has everything planned out. He is so fluid in everything he does. And it is vicious. Like he is, it is. You can like, tell he's fucked up some dudes. Yeah. This, like, and quite possibly his wife. Yes. His, his yes. The rumor. <laughs> yes. And, but he just handles everybody so easily and has his dog in on the act too. Yeah. And then it just leads to a great set piece with the chick running outside and falling in a pool. And then Leo comes out with a flamethrower. <laughs> I mean, it's just so over the top. Die, you Nazi bastards. It's so over the top, but it's so fitting for the movie. And it is, I mean, yeah, I, I can, this movie's so good. I can Im- excuse Emil Hirsch being in this movie. Um, That's how, that's how good this movie is. So that's my, my views on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing that he's his career has gotten better mm-hmm. as he's you know, um, but I guess you get more money, you know. Yeah. He has all the time in the world now to fine tune yeah. everything. So and you know he's got such cachet that the best people will work for him, and they'll they just want to be in his movies. They don't care what they're getting paid. They just know that. All yeah. I have to do is show up. Like you look at all the people who just show up in this movie that have like bit parts. You look at everybody that's on the ranch is almost like a known person. And like, and then Bruce Dern shows up and then and they're literally on screen for yeah. know, two and a half minutes. Yeah, like like I said, Timothy Oliphant, and then uh what's his face? Um the late great Luke Perry. Luke Perry is on there, and he was so proud of being in this Tarantino movie, and yeah, it's just yeah, it's just chock full of just stellar supporting performances. And yeah, it's yeah. So there you go. Oh, so, so I guess that leaves one movie for the both of us. Yes, it does. So, you know what? I, I, this might seem a little out there. I say we, we talk about it at the same time. We don't take turns. It might, you know, I might, I'm thinking out of the box, but I'm thinking it might, it might just work. So, Let's give some reasons why Jackie Brown is Mm -hmm. both of our favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, The soundtrack. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he put it together or he gets help putting these things together, but Mm -hmm. just brilliant. Um, I don't have a lot of movie soundtracks on vinyl, but Mm -hmm. Jackie Brown is one of them. Uh, and just the cast is a little different in this one. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Keaton 
Um, yep. Robert De Niro. Um, uh, bringing two, bringing two people. Fonda. Yeah, bringing two people from the 70s out of nowhere, like Pam Greer and Robert Forster. And Robert Forster is brilliant. Yes. Um, and just the story is like, it's so low key. Mm-hmm. Um, but so well told. Yeah. Um, and Sam Jackson plays, you know, like a not very likable character and he's great Mm -hmm. at it. Um, and just the writing is, uh, it's a plus it's like, it's, it's like as good as it gets in Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's based on a novel by Elmore Leonard, who is amazing crime writer. Um, rum, rum punch, is it? rum punch, and yeah. you know he also you know wrote you know Get Shorty and uh, Out of Sight, which yeah. is a companion piece to this because uh, Michael Keaton plays the same character yeah. in both. Um, and he also did like Three Ten to Yuma is his as well. But yeah, no, he's a he's a great writer, and I I've read a, f- a few of his books. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good, they complement each other, Elmore Leonard and Tarantino. They both have an eye for this, uh, you know, underworld crime underworld that are just kind of not like, like high profile crime, but you know, these scum of the earth kind of guys just trying to, and this is like shit that happens all the time, mm-hmm. like people smuggling stuff across borders. You know, yes, and you know, so it probably happened uh, more back then. Like now, mm. you can't really take anything on an airplane, but mm. um, yeah, just Pam Greer is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Beaumont Livingston. Oh, there. Yeah. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Like, did you ever think Chris Tucker would be in a Tarantino movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, this came out the same year as Rush Hour. I don't think Rush Hour had come out yet, or was yeah. just about to come out. Yeah. And Chris Tucker was just a comedian, like he mm-hmm. was just, you know, um, yeah. It's just, it's soft. It's, it's a soft spoken, yeah, but very hard hitting movie. Like as far as like the talent that went into this, mm-hmm. thing. and. Like again, like yeah, like you have a heavy hitter like De Niro in this, but he is so low key. Yeah, he but, plays us like a skid. Like yes, he's, you know, and he's he's so low key, but he's so effective. Um, you look at his latter career, and he's just he could have the same performance in his you know more recent stuff where it seems like he's phoning it in, like it's all lackadaisical. And this could be a performance where he phones it in because there's really not a lot to it like there's no emotion or anything like that yeah. and but he is playing the part um he's not just like oh i'm just going through the motions i'm getting a paycheck i'm doing this movie no he he is this you know the pot phase this guy you know you know hardened prison been in, lifer been in prison for 10 years or whatever yeah. and it's just yeah i mean it's such it's such a satisfying ending to how everything just kind of works out and it's got some good twists in it. And um, yeah, I'm like, I say, Robert Forrester's again, very understated, but very 
commanding. Like you be- yeah. He's so believable in this part. And while they don't end up together, it's 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 a it's a love story between it's a him love and, story, and totally him and Pam Greer. Like you could see that there is a connection there. They have chemistry. If they'd met under other circumstances, they probably would have ended up together. Um, but yeah, no, it's yeah, it's great, great movie. Yeah, it's and by I, far. I don't I don't understand how this ends up at the bottom of a lot of people's rankings because mm-hmm. Like there's nothing. Okay, it's not as flashy and cool as Pulp Fiction or mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs, but you know it's the most real, most believable out of all of his movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know I, I, I have a feeling he probably views Jackie Brown in high regard as far as his films go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at when he makes like a contemporary movie, like you know, present times. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good at capturing like L.A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's good stuff, and yes. just just the way they come up with like this dumb little plan to like you know, screw over the feds, screw yep. over, um, what's Sam Jackson's character's name? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I know what it is. Like they're just trying to screw over everybody at the, at once. And, uh, yeah, I got, I got it here. Let me see. His name is something weird. Oh. Ordell. Yeah. Ordell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the yeah, guys yeah i mean i for me i mean as good as tarantino tarantino movies are and as much as i like once upon a time in hollywood at number two jackie brown is even like there's separation there even even for me even between the one and two like there's the gap of like of enjoyment is it's noticeable for me like it's yeah it's it's it, it's probably you know i mean i've seen like you know, four or 5,000 movies. And so even if I say a number, it doesn't seem like it's that small, but Jackie Brown would probably be in my top 50 of all time easily. So, yeah. Yeah. Like just the first scene where she's kind of coming through the airport and down on 105th street is playing Mm -hmm. and like just sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah. You know, it's a good times. Yes. So I, I hope you all enjoyed that list and um, you can yell at me all you want for, for some of my placements or some of Terry's placements, but um, uh, screw you. So, screw you. Yes. <laughs> so so yeah, I, uh... that ends that. So it's now time for a very anticipated you know, segment called Pick of the Pod. Oh, and pick of the pot is where we've pinpointed something that we've watched in the last little week or so between podcasts, and we're going to yeah. talk about it. Yes. Hey, everybody. Quiet down, please. These two jerks have an opinion. Here is this episode's pick of the pod. So, so there. 
Hey, um, Scott, what is your pick of the pod? Mine is the latest Marvel venture, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Okay. I took my son to go see this on Saturday because he'd been asking to see it because he's huge into Marvel and the MCU. And this was an extremely enjoyable movie. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, it is basically a, an origin story. Um, Did you just say it's basically an orgy story? It is an orgy story. Like it, it like Ooh. they don't, I don't mean to mince words. Like they don't hide the fact that there is sex going on in this movie all the time. Um, bang, but, bang, bang. Yes. Oh, but it's yeah. You know, there are threads through the MCU to you know to tie it together to to the other stories. Um, they kind of retcon and correct the error that they had with Iron Man three and the Mandarin. Um, yeah because Ben Kingsley shows up in this again. Um, oh, wow. As, as that actor playing, playing that Tr- Trevor actor. And he's very funny. Like he's just steals the scenes that he's in um, because they correct. They make that Shang-Chi's dad was the Mandarin. Like he's, his dad is the head of the, the 10 rings. And they oh, say, yeah, he, that's the way yeah. it is in the comic books. Yeah. Except he, his dad, they say he's gone by many different names, but in the comic, his dad is a completely different character, but he's still in charge of the Ten Rings. But I guess they've they changed it because the character was every negative Asian stereotype you could possibly have put into one character. So they yeah. said, you know what? we should probably change that. So they use that as an opportunity to bring the Mandarin back and say, okay, this is, we know who the Mandarin is or whatever, but this is, you know, we're sorry for faking you out in Iron Man three. Here's where it is. And you know, it, it fits perfectly. Um, and then, yeah, there is a good teaser at the end. Um, Wong from, you know, uh, Doctor Strange, and then he was in the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. He makes an appearance in this. Um, Abomination yep. has, a, has a slight appearance in this. Um, but even without, you take you strip out all the Marvel references and just watch it as an action martial arts movie, it is a really good martial arts movie. Like the choreography is fantastic the visuals are fantastic um it's just very mystical type you know martial arts fantasy and it works on that alone and the fact that it's tied into the marvel meaning we'll see more of shang chi um makes it that more exciting but uh yeah as a standalone movie it it works and it's i thought it was terrific mm. i have not seen it mm-hmm I'll probably wait until Disney Plus. You do that then. Uh, I'm just kind of, I need a break from comic book movies. Yeah. There's, that's, it seems like that's everything big that comes out is a comic book movie now, you know. Mm -hmm. I can wait. 
but this was a nice departure because it didn't involve any of the characters we'd seen before like black widow was decent but we've seen black widow before so this was like a, a new character yeah. and you know we got to it didn't have like the other avengers or whatever in it it's just you know his own story you know marginally attached to everything else and yeah so it was, it was refreshing was it as refreshing as a mountain dew maybe mountain dew red zone Oh, not never had it. Never had it. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I will take your I will take your critique under advisement. Okay. And I will go in with an open mind and open heart. Yes. So my pick of the pod is a television show that I've gotten myself hooked on. Um it's a it's kind of like a drama on stars network called heels um right uh this may surprise you and the listeners but it is based on a independent wrestling promotion in georgia which Mm. runs out of like a a warehouse that's been turned into a wrestling arena uh stars Stephen amell um green uh, arrow yep the green arrow um uh, Alex, I can never remember his last name. He's a Swedish actor who was on Vikings. He's actually, he's actually Canadian. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was Swedish. No. Um, he uh, he played. Um, actually, they're both Canadian. Steve Stephen Amell and yeah, I knew Al- that Alexander Ludwig. Yeah, Alexander Ludwig. He was in Vikings as well. Yeah. Um, Mary McCormick's in it. Uh, Chris Bauer. Um, it's at first I was like, ah, I don't know, you know, like, how are they going to do an hour long drama about wrestling? Mm-hmm. But like the wrestling is actually takes a back seat to the other kind of storyline. Cause it's kind of a, a family story, right? Cause the guys are brothers. Yeah. It's basically like stampede wrestling, right. um, which if you're unfamiliar is like, you know, Bret Hart's father, Stu created stampede wrestling here in calgary and the kids kind of took it over when he got old and mm-hmm. um it, you know i could imagine the drama behind the scenes of that was a lot like this um mm-hmm. you know brothers being jealous of each other and uh it's just really good like it's really the acting's good like it's not it's not cheesy mm-hmm. and chris bauer plays like this um he basically broke into the wrestling business in this this independent wrestling um and he kind of hit it big and went to whatever um they call it um new york so basically they're probably referencing like wwe you know what mm-hmm. i mean like um when they reference like the big leagues it's probably the equivalent to wwe right Right. So he made it big, but then he, a video of him exposing himself on an airplane got out and he kind of lost his career. And so he's gone back to this where he started. Um, and he just plays like if you took Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, 
Freebird, Michael Hayes, uh, superstar Billy Graham, and rolled them all into one dude. This would be him. Like it's right. He's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's just a good show. Um, uh, it's on Sunday nights, I believe. Uh, it's on Crave up in Canada. So yeah, um, you can watch it if you have Crave. I'm, I might have a craving to watch that. Oh. You you see what I did there? That yes. was clever. That was, that was a clever play on words. It was a play on words. So yeah, though those were our picks of the pod. Yes. Um, so usually we discuss beforehand what our theme of the next week is going to be, but we didn't. So I took it upon myself to think of one for us since you it's did your the turn. Tarantino last it's week. Yeah. So I have chosen end of the world movies so like whether it be like a big natural disaster or comet or whatever just something that's going to signify the end of the world and not necessarily one that's taken after like a post-apocalyptic or like a dystopian one where they are dealing with the the potential end of the world so like Armageddon? Yeah, Armageddon would work. Uh, this is the end. You know, stuff like that. I don't think Armageddon is going to make my top list. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Is that because you are leaving room for deep impact? No, it's because I I love that Aerosmith song so much from Armageddon. Right. That, you know, I there's... It would have to sit beyond number one. Right. Okay. So it wouldn't be fair to include that movie with all the rest. Right. Cause it'll just Cause be a given. It's so good. Right. If there's a number. Yeah. Above one, like it's, there's let's no send, ranking. Let's it. send some oil drillers up into space to save the world. Yes. Dysfunctional At, oil drillers. Yeah. Cause during the making of that movie, Ben Affleck asked Michael Bay, wouldn't it be easier to train NASA astronauts to drill than it would for drillers to train them to be astronauts. And Michael Bay just told him to shut up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good old Michael Bay. But yeah. So yeah. End of the world movies is what I have chosen. That's going to be tough. Hmm. It's going to be tough. Well, I mean, no, I don't want to give any examples because I want you to do your own research and not steal my movies. Well, I already have two in mind. Okay. I've got 800. Well, you've obviously had time to think about it. I, I haven't put a bunch, a lot thought of it, but. Was there any inspiration to this? No. Not just something like I thought of. I'm like, okay, this sounds, this sounds good discuss maybe there's so a so you could basically include half the marvel movies into this possibly half um, the dc movies anything with aliens says, anything that says directed by roland emmerich yeah that that was pretty much you no know, given but yeah no there's there's some other ones that are like smaller more low-key end of the world things that what's those are probably going to be the more that i focused on not these huge special effects 
destruction driven movies. So hmm. like 2012 right. or something like that. All right. You want to, you want to lay down the gauntlet? Yes. So I think that that almost brings us to a close. Is there anything else you want to? Well, let's see how the Blue out? Jays, let's see how the Blue Jays did. Oh yes. Yeah. That game was going on. If they didn't do, win, do, 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 I'm gonna, do. I, I'm gonna hurt somebody. What? They have a, did they have a comeback? Six four Tampa Bay Rays. God Sons damn it! Of, and did the Yankees win? Probably. This is terrible. This is this is great podcast. The people of us looking at our phones to find score results, and yeah, Stop the Yankees it. won. Simeon hit another home run, so he's got to be close to 40 now. No, oh, he's over 40, yeah. Is he? Jeez. Yep. He's going to get a big, fat raise. Yes. So, yeah, I think um, I think that's probably it. Yeah, let's end this catastrophe. Let's end this biatch. What? What? Biatch. So, uh, I would be Scott, and I am signing off. Hey, and I'm Terrence, and I'm saying so long for now. Toodles. Toodles.